and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 126. And as always, we're joined by your hosts, Tara and Jack. Now I've got a great Q&A lined up for you once again. So Jack, hitting you with this first question. It says, are there any particular foods either of you avoid that don't agree with you or cause you upset digestion? Uh, so for me, there's not. I think you might be of a different story, though. Uh, I think I, I think a lot of people are in this boat. I just cannot eat uncooked onions. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm definitely not in that boat. I, you know, I have a lot of onions. Sometimes it's not fully cooked through. Yeah, so. and sometimes they make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is quite a short answer for me. That no, there's nothing that comes to mind that has ever upset my digestion mm-hmm. and. I think we've always joked that I kind of have guts of steel where I had a very considerable fiber intake for a long time and I eat a lot of different foods. Yeah. So I'm very customized to a variety of different things. I think the only thing that ever made you upset that one time was that off chicken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, was more bacteria associated, I guess. Yeah. And if anyone doesn't know that story... Short and simple. We had just gotten our puppy Sam and we got one of those clams that you get from Bunnings and Mm. filled it up with water on a hot Australian summer's day. Jack jumped in the pool with Sam with some of his chicken breast and was feeding Sam chicken in the pool and they both got very sick. Mm. And that week I went to the emergency department at the hospital and the emergency department at the vet. So, (laughs) Well, to be fair, it wasn't wasn't the fact that I was in the pool. It was just that... Like regardless, the the chicken was off, and that's because like I had this little tub that I kept in the freezer full of chicken that I didn't use myself, and I thought it it's in the freezer, it, it it's fine, but apparently it wasn't. But Sam got sick, and then I don't know where did you eat the chicken after that? Because I no, I'm, I'm not I'm not an idiot. Like no. <laughs> the reason why I got sick was not because of the pool. It's just because puppy licks. She got sick. She licked me probably around the mouth region, and then I got sick. I don't know why. I had this theory the whole time that Sam had eaten chicken in the pool and then a little bit of chicken shards had like gotten into the water and somehow... <laughs> I drank the bath water. No, you didn't drink it, but somehow like, it... <laughs> you know that song, um, 3AM by Eminem? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that reminds me of that. <laughs> no, I had some some idea that it got absorbed into you through, those, through your pants or something. Mm. <laughs> Anyway, I can't remember if I was wearing pants, to be honest. Okay, so Jack has guts of steel. I can't eat uncooked onions, but pretty much everything else I enjoy. Maybe other than cilantro slash coriander, not the biggest fan, but Mm. everything else pretty good, not too picky. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, the only, I mean, talking to foods that we just don't enjoy now, like the only thing I don't particularly like, and I think it's, uh, it's not because I don't like the taste, it's more so it's linked with something in your past. Like, you know, when I guess the, the obvious example is when someone gets drunk on a particular alcoholic beverage for the first time, then for the year following that, they might not be partaking in that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think for me, like 
Uh, it's raw tomato, but I, I don't. I honestly can't remember why I don't like raw tomato. <laughs> but I do like it in any other form. Yeah, you tin will... tomatoes, tomato sauce. Yeah, and whenever pasada. we go out for dinner, I'm always like, "Oh, you're gonna eat those tomatoes over there?" And you're like, "You can have them." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've actually been thinking about this though, and I actually have a bit of a theory in that people who are really picky eaters. A way to actually make them more of a non-picky eater and to develop their palate and to have them become more interested in different cuisines of food is to potentially go through a dieting phase. (laughs) Because as we know, when you go through a dieting phase and you deprive the body of energy and ultimately you have to deprive the body of calories and food, you start to crave calories and food and energy more. And Mm. your palate can definitely diversify and you can actually find yourself craving or tasting new foods. And you're like, wow, like I thought I didn't used to like that, but now I've been dieting for a while and this actually tastes pretty good. Mm. I think some people are so fussy they're going to have to diet quite hard though. Mm, that is true. <laughs> that That's really tough when you're actually dieting someone who's also a very picky eater yeah. and they just won't budge. And I think a lot of people, and like, we're not referencing this to our clients. We're just doing it in general. Mm. Like, Yeah, but I definitely think that if you want to combat being a picky eater, then <laughs> I'm not telling people to go on a diet or like to intentionally gain a bunch of weight and then have to lose it or something like that. But I think that there perhaps is a correlation there. At least I've experienced it with myself. Mm, and same. I don't know if it's directly correlated with me just growing up and just obviously going through university and studying nutrition and over time just tasting different foods and identifying that wow i actually really do like mushrooms or hey i do like mustard or if it's because i've actually gone through dieting phases before and now i'm just genuinely more interested in food yeah yeah it's interesting Mm -hmm. there's lots of different avenues you can think about food yes food science the food psychology Mm -hmm. the the molecular structure of food Mm mm-hmm all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I guess that going through a dieting phase, you ultimately become more food focused, but maybe that can work in your advantage long term because you just crave different flavors and you enjoy different flavors and you can enjoy the whole world and cuisine of foods out there because there are plenty of different tastes just waiting for you to experience. (laughs) Great, what's the next question? (laughs) Okay, so this next one, this one says, If you train to failure, but do lower reps than normal, for example, you're tired, will you get less muscle growth? Interesting question. So, I mean, if the question asked was here, I would clarify a few points, but Mm. the way I interpret this is you're still training just as hard or even harder. You're going to failure. We know that's very important for, well, training with adequate intensity is important for gaining muscle. And however, you haven't potentially beaten your last week's performance because fatigued, as you said. And first of all, I would break down as to why you are fatigued. And because if you are doing the same workout every week in the same order, which we highly recommend, then I would ask then why are you more fatigued for this session compared to the last session? And ultimately, if that's happening every week, then one of the big things about resistance training and the huge thing that we always see is that people are just doing too much stuff and they need to scale back and they are generating too much fatigue and not prioritizing performance improvements enough. So they're basically 
it going into the gym to expend energy, uh, but not with the intention of performance, mm -hmm. uh, which kind of differentiates training versus exercise. Yeah. So obviously we're huge advocates of tracking your training and tracking your progressions over time. And I guess what you're trying to say here is that if you were identifying that this was happening week after week, session after session, ultimately you weren't performing very well, you were hitting plateaus, then yes, it begs the argument of, are you actually giving yourself the greatest stimulus for muscle growth? Mm. If technically you're still super fatigued, but you're not actually progressing yeah. in terms of the logbook. So I'd say that chronically, then yeah, it's probably not equating to growth and you have to identify the root cause there. But I would say acutely, it's not like the whole session was just wasted. Mm. For example, our muscles don't actually know whether or not you're placing 10 kilograms or 12.5 kilograms on them. If you are working at the same intensity and going to the same proximity to failure, I would argue that your muscles would still be receiving the same stimulus for growth. Yeah, I agree with that. But I would say more in the long term, as mm. you said, that if you aren't progressing, then like we can, we can assume that you are training with adequate intensity. But one of the other variables that's related to progression, so recovery, nutrition, uh, intraset rest time, all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. execution of the movement. Uh, then we can even break recovery down further into like sleep and then time away from training, time in between sessions, frequency, volume. Mm -hmm. Then one of those variables or more than one of those variables will be off. Um, hence, other, otherwise you would be progressing, to yeah. put it simply. I think another huge one is just body weight gain. Ultimately, mm. if you are trying to optimize everything and your sleep's intact, like you're eating really well, you've got a solid training program, but like you're not actually pushing your body composition and you're still sitting at a relatively healthy body weight, let's say you're not overly fat, but there does come a point where it's like, oh, maybe I actually purposely need to add on a little bit of body weight and actually to start seeing progressions again. Mm, that could, yeah, definitely be a factor. Mm -hmm. Well, I know I've definitely experienced that, haven't you? Yeah, especially if I'm at, if even right now, like I would, I know that certain lifts, like especially the RDL would be better if I was five or six kilos heavier. And mm -hmm. it's only a matter of time before I get to that yeah. body weight. And it's also, it's interesting because obviously in order to put on more body fat, that needs to be correlated with an increase in calories. Mm. So then you could argue, oh, are you just now progressing because you're providing yourself with more energy? Hey guys, just a reminder that we offer coaching services, which you can find on our website by searching the Bodybuilding Dietitians on Google or via the show notes below. We coach anyone with a health and fitness related goal. Yeah, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But, but it's a cycle that feeds each other. So mm -hmm. like if you're progressing because you've increased your body weight, you're then progressing because you've increased your body weight. Now you can gain more muscle, which is going to allow you to progress more. Mm -hmm. So, But also maybe there's more carbohydrates in all your meals too. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely multifaceted. Yeah. But then you can hit a ceiling for sure where you gain a little bit too much body weight and then it starts to not work in your favor mm. where training performance can perhaps start to go down just because... We both experienced both ends of the spectrum. <laughs> we really have. Man, if you're really lean, don't expect to perform your absolute best. If you're really heavy for you as an individual, also don't necessarily mm. expect to perform your best. It's more just like when you're really lean, it's from an energy availability standpoint. You're like, 
gosh, damn, this feels really tough. (laughs) But then when you're really heavy and then, you know, quote unquote, really heavy, that's pretty subjective. It's when your body from, fat is quite high. Yeah, it's more from a cardiovascular standpoint. Mm, yeah. Definitely. When you're doing those big compounds like a Smith machine lunge or a squat or something, you're like, You're also God. just affected by other variables, more like the heat, especially in mm. Australia. Like, I barely sweat in the gym, even though I train very hard. And I granted it's winter, but it was a warm day today. Mm. And compared to like when my body fat is higher, like my shirt will be drenched in sweat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I find too. And mm. I, I just want my, my heart and my lungs give out when I've like, am I at like a peak body weight? Uh, and that also begs the question too, like sometimes do you have to get up to such a heavy body weight? Because then what you find is that you can actually maintain your lifts. You can maintain the weights that you're putting on the bar, or you perhaps can even continue to increase your progressions despite being at a lower body weight too. Mm. Yeah, it's very individual specific, but I mean, as a rule of thumb, I would say as someone's training age increases, they, the amount of body weight they have to gain or the amount, the, the top end range of body fat they have to get to decreases. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think someone who is more of a newbie or someone who is younger, or even there can be older people who uh, have been training for a while, but they've never maximized all those variables. And for example, like right now I'm getting newbie gains with my back because mm. I'm, I'm actually training my back in a proper fashion. And me with my triceps. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I think it, it's, yeah, I would definitely not recommend exceeding like as a rough number, like more than 20% body fat or 20 to 25%. It sounds quite excessive to me, but anything up to that range sounds appropriate. Absolutely. But I guess to answer this question in short, if you go to the gym and you're pretty tired, but you still train within the same proximity to failure, your workout wasn't a waste of time. It was still probably relatively productive and probably caused some stimulus for muscle growth. Mm-hmm. But, but try and narrow down on, on why you weren't progressing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. long term, if this is happening and reoccurring over and over and over again, then yeah, you need to reassess some things to see why am I not making progress in the gym anymore? And why am I so exhausted? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so this next question, this one says, for you guys, do you prefer to compete in season A or season B and why? Interesting. So I think what the one thing unique about Australia is, and the bodybuilding scene is we have two different seasons, whereas mm-hmm. I know like the UK is similar in that regard as well. But, but in the US, man, those lucky ducks, they've got shows going on and every state, I swear, every town, mm. year round. <laughs> Because I listen to a lot of podcasts that follow like the NPC and the IFBB. And it's really interesting because when they have Australian guests on, the Australian guests will be like, oh yeah, season A this year. And they're like, what do you mean season A? Like, it's like, it's a year round season Mm. in the US. Gosh, so lucky. Yeah. Well, I mean, with how many states are there again? Is it 50? I always say like 52 or 54. Jack, there's 50 states. The fi- oh shit, I was wrong. <laughs> there's 50 stars on the flag. Yeah, I don't go there like counting the... Counting okay, stars. next time I forget, I'll, I'll count the stars for you. <laughs> That's sweet. Jack is a star counter. No, there's 50 states of the USA. Interesting. Yeah. Well, now I, I know. I won't forget that now because it's we've discussed it on the podcast. Mm-hmm, but I definitely cannot name all of them. No. I think it's actually a skill, even for Americans. I don't even know if a lot of Americans can name all 50 states. Mm, I could probably name about... I think I could name less than half, mm-hmm. to being 
honest. <laughs> anyway, here in Australia, we do have a season A and a season B, and it's similar in some other countries too, other than the US, who they just get to compete whenever they freaking want, which is so lucky. Because mm. like, imagine if you miss the mark. It's like, no worries. You don't have to compete this weekend in this show. Compete in two weeks at this next show. Yeah. Like here, we're... we're the bodybuilding scene, especially natural bodybuilding in Australia, is pretty awesome, I would argue. It's pretty great, but there's definitely a limit on the number of shows, and they are always at specific times of the year. Yeah, and I guess to relate back to the question, we've only competed season A, so mm. we can't really judge off much. And I think we've both chosen season A each time purely because it's worked well for the amount of time we've spent in the off-season. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we, we haven't really had a preference, mm. but I think we are aiming to do season B for our next competitive season uh, in 2023. And I think in Australia, I'm not sure about recent years, but season B is definitely being promoted as, okay, it's the biggest season. They always have the world champs in season B as well, and it's more competitive as well. I'm not I'm not too sure about the competitiveness anymore, purely because... It just depends who rocks up. Mm, gosh, every season's gosh yeah. darn competitive. But I would agree that it, there's probably more competitors in season B. And of course, you can't discredit that they have the world champs in season B as well. Yeah. And season A pretty much runs from like February because that starts with like the IFBB when they have the state shows and then they go into usually the Arnold's or Nationals since COVID hit. And then ICN usually runs from like April through to May. So that's season A. Then season B, that usually starts around September and usually runs into October, sometimes into November. So, and there's usually a big gap in the middle of the year. I wonder if it's correlated with the holidays because a lot of people don't necessarily like to diet over the Christmas period and that holiday period. Mm. I mean, if you're you're starting your season A prep after Christmas, though. It's too late. <laughs> yes. Sorry about that. No, most people, yeah, start like early October if they're going to be competing in April. Yeah. But maybe it's correlated with that because people are, they just don't want to diet during the summer months, mm. but they would rather that's diet. That's the opposite. People always want to diet in the summer months. No, they want to be lean for the summer <laughs> months, but they want to be lean, but also well-fed and drinking a nice old cold beverage. Yeah. <laughs> so what my theory is that people are more willing to suck it up and diet through the winter months, which I would argue is equally as tough because there's nothing worse than being cold and also being energy deprived too. <laughs> like it just, oh, it's so uncomfortable. And like taking your progress photos on a cold morning, gosh, it's just, it's, you've really got to muster up some courage for that. But mm. if you can suck it up and you, you diet through the cold winter months here, then you can compete later in the year. And then you're still relatively lean, depending on how well you handle your reverse diet yeah. <laughs> process, uh, throughout the summer months. So maybe that's why, but I think you and I have always competed season A, but a huge reason why we want to compete season B in 2023 is again, there's more show opportunities and particularly there's more travel opportunities. Fingers crossed. COVID. It gives us some extra time to get big. Mm -hmm. I guess historically in season B, that's generally when there's more travel opportunities and fingers crossed by 2023. COVID sorts itself out and the wor whole world is vaccinated and there's free travel for all once again and everyone can live their lives. Free, I hope it's free. <laughs> that would be nice. Maybe we'll be sponsored by them and someone <laughs> plays, pays for our plane ticket. That'd be real nice. 
VPA, if you're listening to this. Yes, hint, hint, hint. Uh, but season B, that's when you get more travel opportunities, particularly like if you compete here uh, in, with the AWNBS for the girls, which is an all-female federation. And then again, hopefully by that time, WNBF does make its way into Australia. And there's actually an official mm. WNBF Australian show that links in over with the WNBF over in the US, which is also linked over in the UK. And everyone comes over to the US for the WNBF World Championships around that November time each year in season B. At least that's what's happened historically. So I think that's another huge reason. And like you said, the World Championships too. Yeah, totally. I think it's going to be a standout season for, for us. And I think a lot of people are holding out till that year at that season purely because of the travel stuff or yeah so it's going to be huge no matter what yeah it's going to be huge and the plan is that we're going to be huge yeah <laughs> hey guys just a reminder that we post regular informative content on both our instagram and youtube channel so make sure to go over to those platforms and search the bodybuilding dietitians see you there so what's the next question Okay, so this next one, it says, are there any low volume, high calorie foods that aren't plain junk, struggling to get carbs in when they're so high? Mm. So upon hearing the first part of this question, I just assumed dietary fat because uh, you you specified calories, but then carbs at the end. So Mm -hmm. I assume we're limiting it to carbohydrates, not not fats. Yes. So carbohydrate dense foods that i i quote aren't plain junk okay so yeah there's definitely well first of all like people's satiety is very subjective and rather there's more to it than just the density of the food when it comes to appetite so potentially other factors might be restricting your appetite so for example stress levels or the the number of meals you're consuming as well so some people might prefer to have smaller, more frequent meals versus larger, less frequent meals. And I think it's important to address those external factors before food composition itself. Because like, let's say a, a, a fairly active male is quite full and doesn't want to eat any more food and they're only on 250, 300 grams of carbs per day then something's gone. Like either they're just quite unfortunate in terms of their satiety cues or something else is going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'd say always try to get to the root cause of the issue, like what's actually influencing your appetite, yeah. and then go from there. Because absolutely, it's subjective about carbs being so high, depending mm. on the individual. You know, someone could be like, I've never eaten this many carbs in my life. And it's like, dude, <laughs> you're eating 150 grams of carbs yeah. per day. But then obviously there's people on the other end of the extreme who are eating over a kilogram of carbohydrates per day. Yeah, it's nuts. And I think as you alluded to in the first uh, question, like sometimes all you need to do is like a uh, stimulatory phase. I, I wanted to find a better word to fit that, but I couldn't. So like a, to, to reinstate your appetite if it's poor. And I've actually done this with one or two clients who have struggled who have been struggling with appetite and i it's not really a mini cut because we know that it takes longer than like one week to lose some a decent amount of body fat but basically what i do is i cut their calories quite significantly usually by about a thousand to fifteen hundred and i'll do that for one week 
And then after the first two days, I'll get a message saying, Hey Jack, yeah, my, my appetite's back. Can we end this now? And then uh, the answer is usually no. We usually keep it going for that full week to reinstate the appetite cues. And then we kind of go from there and we'll be able to jump back to basically the same amount of calories with a refreshed appetite and then continue eating. So mm-hmm. I find that that works very well because as you said, like all it takes is a, a quite aggressive calorie deficit or an extended period of, of body fat loss to reinstate those that appetite. But to get into to the question itself, like I find that there is often a balance between very carbohydrate dense options that are junk versus carbohydrate options that are very wholesome and usually the close like if you turn up that wholesome dial the whole foods dial then naturally they're going to become more voluminous and less dense Mm -hmm. so i find that if you're looking for something that isn't junk but is carbohydrate dense you're kind of that dial is going to be shifted into more the middle zone but that's subjective in itself because Every man and his dog has a different idea of what is classified as junk or Mm. junk food. You know, someone might look at a wholemeal bagel and be like, it's a bagel. That's junk. Yeah, Yeah, or someone might just list all cereals as Mm. junk or all breads as junk, Mm. whatever it may be. So it's tough there too. Yeah, I guess I'm an all right person to answer this because like my carbohydrates aren't crazy high at the moment. They're about 500 to 550. But I, I don't get much of my food sources from what I would call junk. Like if to, not that I really discriminate food as junk or not, but if I was to classify certain foods as junk, it would be like fast food or I guess potentially ice cream or cookies to use the socio-cultural mm-hmm. terminology there. It was called EDNP foods, so energy dense, nutrient poor foods. Mm. And I think they even had like a special little equation. Like, I think 10%, it's similar to saturated fat. I think around 10% of your intake can come from EDNP foods. Yeah. And, but I think they have some sort of special equation. It's like per 100 calories, like there's only this certain amount of micronutrients mm. in the food or something like that. Cause they had to objectively be able to classify these foods as, okay, they're energy dense, but they are poor in nutrients. Yeah. Well, so the foods that I consume, are things like white flour, polenta, those are two of my main sources. And then I'll also have some sort of cereal at breakfast. Mm-hmm. And there's a range of cereals. You can have something like Cocoa Pops, which is more of the refined options. That's actually what I'm having right now. And then there's the less refined options. So there's something like... Um, wheat Bix. Wheat Bix. Yeah, that's a good one. Or wholemeal Cheerios, for example. Mm. And so that there are plenty of options to have. Like the breads are good as well. Like breads aren't definitely aren't junk by any means. It's just... Yeah, there's a flour. difference between having like some light rye and a piece of banana bread from McDonald's. Mm, definitely. So... I would just examine, like even, like I find that the Woolworths website or Coles website is actually uh, quite useful for people who are in Australia. Like it's actually very easy to sort by what type of food you're, you're using. And if you're ever trying to construct something on MyFitnessPal, they're very user-friendly to like check the macros, even scan a barcode on some items mm-hmm. through the screen. And you can just kind of play around with what food sources you're looking for. And when I'm writing meal plans, I'll often head over to Woolies, uh, the website, and so, sort of, cause like ultimately in writing a meal plan, I often, I don't wanna be self-biased by foods that only I eat. 
because of course other people might appreciate more diversity or different food items. So I often use the Woolworths website as a means of checking out other things that don't come to mind straight away. Mm -hmm. But I know that one of mine definitely a go-to that is high in carbohydrates but relatively low in food volume would be dried fruit. People Mm. tend to forget about dried fruit all the time and not just talking about raisins, which are awesome, but things like apricots and dates and prunes as Mm. well. Like there's so much dried fruit out there that's... Even even normal bananas are Mm. very dense. Yeah, and pears? Oh my gosh. Actually, yeah. Pears are very, like, they surprised me when I learned how carbohydrate dense they are. Like, are they like double the, or 1.5 times the density of an apple, I think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pears are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they taste really good. Uh, but yeah, people just, I feel like, forget about fruit. Mm, very common. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I think kind of gave a very indirect answer for that, but essentially, most grains are going to be quite carbohydrate dense Mm -hmm. there aren't i don't actually i can't really think of a grain that isn't particularly carbohydrate dense other than maybe oats if you if you count that because it's but it kind of makes up for it in terms of fat on the calorie side of things Mm -hmm. but things like rice wheat pasta yeah well that's wheat yeah oh sorry (laughs) i was thinking wheat in different forms yeah but if you want it to be more dense and you can even just go for the the shape of these certain types of foods as well Mm. so things like noodles are awesome so you can go for things like obviously wheat-based noodles and wheat-based pasta and depending on the shape it'll actually be a lower volume of food have you noticed that like yeah if you find spaghetti is lower volume than like the penne pasta Mm. yeah Yeah, exactly or you go for things like rice noodles Mm. they are amazing or the hokey noodles or all of those like noodles are freaking awesome yeah yeah noodles are really good yeah and i mean we have a few full day of eatings on our youtube and like there's a diverse mixture there so there's some more recent ones from me where i'm in my off season so where my energy intake is a lot higher so like before i started prep and now and then there's a lot from in prep as well when we're trying to maximize food volume so Mm -hmm. those if you're looking for ideas or i think the question asker probably has already checked those out but for everyone else that's definitely quite useful. Yeah, or you can even take the exact same food, but in terms of how you prepare it, it can be less satiating or appear to be lower volume. Mm. So let's say that you took a sweet potato. By the way, sweet, sweet potatoes are pretty freaking dense in carbs. Yeah. It, like They're way denser in carbs than something like white potatoes. But you could take your whole sweet potato, you could slice it up into little slices and put it on a baking tray and bake yourself a whole bunch of sweet potato chips then you look at this with your eyeballs and you're like, I have no appetite at all. Why did I do this to myself? Why do I have to eat all these sweet potato chips? Otherwise, you could just boil your sweet potato or you could bake it and then mash it up. And then you could just have a little thing of sweet potato mash, which is just as energy dense. It's the exact same amount of food. What I used to do is just... uh like cut it up very thinly, mm. chuck it in the microwave and then just eat it. And then like you put it in the microwave with a little bit of water, mash it up with a fork and then mm-hmm. it's like, it's very, very dense. Yeah. That works well. And that's why fruit is so good too. So for example, you blend your apples into your cream of wheat. I mm. blend big bananas into my cream of wheat and into my oats. Like you can just get fruit in there. And then yeah, adding dried fruit on top, that's just a bonus. Yeah. The final thing I'll say is 
is just that for some people there becomes a point in the improvement season and i think the funny thing is is that if if a different podcast host was asked this question this would be the first thing that they say straight away and the reality is that some people just need to suck it up and ignore the appetite cues and just eat it mm-hmm. and then find ways to get it down because and that's for most people for like 99 percent of people that's irrelevant yeah uh, and i wouldn't recommend it for people who are more lifestyle based but most people will probably live their entire lives without actually going through a genuine period of complaining about having to eat food. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And but that I've I've definitely reached that point a lot a lot of my because I work with more male bodybuilding mm-hmm. specific clients as well as lifestyle clients as well, but a few of them are in that bracket and if we really need to we have, we enter those resensitization phases Mm -hmm. but just eat foods that taste really good man spice Mm. it up like make sure you are genuinely eating foods that you enjoy don't feel like obliged to just eat very plain foods cooked in very bland plain ways because you can really flavor it up Mm. and just you should enjoy your food plain white rice and broccoli no i'm telling you you don't (laughs) need to keep adding the curry powder yeah (laughs) Cream of rice, uh, rice flour is a great one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't mention that. Yeah, and you didn't even mention the hot cross buns. Yeah, hot cross buns, bagels. I even used to buy these little mini pizza bases from Woolies in, in the dairy aisle. Yeah. Where they were like like one tiny thing the size of my palm was like 50 grams of carbs. Mm-hmm. Fruit toast, that's incredible. Oh, Ben, get yourself a bread baker, okay, and bake your own bread. It's going to be dense as heck. Mm. Cool. Well, we've literally talked on this topic for over 12 minutes. So uh, <laughs> okay. well, I think that'll wrap up for this episode. Yes, it will. But we always end on one thing, and that is one thing that we learned this week. So, Jack, what did you learn this week? I'll, I'll let you go first again. I feel like you said that last week. Yeah, I'm just the gentleman. And or like, that's what I let you're just you do. not learning much. Oh, I'm learning something every day. Okay. So I make that a priority. Okay, that's good. <laughs> so what did you learn? Okay, fine. I'll go first. <laughs> I learned this week, well, I don't know if I learned it or if I was just reminded, but border collies are really freaking smart. So we give our border collies water in a bucket. By the way, you don't need to buy super expensive, extravagant things to give your dogs hydration. Just get a bucket. (laughs) Or another, (laughs) another great thing, instead of just a bucket, actually, you don't like at Nutrition Warehouse or the protein supplement stores, how you can get those big buckets of protein Mm. after you consume all of that protein you can then use that big bucket for a water bucket for your dogs anyway yesterday really hot day dogs must have been drinking extra water and their bucket ran out of water and they were so clever we keep the bucket up on our top deck and i don't know which one it was it was sam or boston it's probably sam no offense boston (laughs) okay well sam's older maybe she's a little bit more clever but anyway sam must have gotten this bucket and then she ran down the stairs ran around to the other side of the garden and she actually placed the bucket right next to the laundry because i'd hung up the laundry that morning as if to tell me, hey, I'm out of water and I want some more water. So she actually brought the bucket around because she knew I was going to go out to the laundry again to get mm. the laundry. Like, yeah. so smart. Mm, so are. clever. Yeah, they really are. And I can sit down with Sam and even Boston and spend five minutes trying to teach them something and they will pick it up mm-hmm. like in- instantly. And it's, uh, I'm not sure about other dogs, but definitely Border Collies, they are very smart. I know about some other dogs. There's not too much going up on there <laughs> in the <laughs> noggin. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Jack, what did you learn this week? Oh, man, I, I had it. Oh, yes. Okay, I've got it. So 
sometimes it's better to just buy the off-brand product rather than the real thing. And I think we found that with, uh, we recently were on Kogan again, mm-hmm. we bought our treadmill there, but Instagram marketing does work. And we, we needed some new AirPods for work because our AirPods have, have broken basically, like the batteries have died. Mm-hmm. And, and what a coincidence that they were Apple AirPods. Mm, yes, indeed. And <laughs> basically, like they had a good life to be fair. But anyway, on Kogan, it was $250 for Apple AirPods versus $33 for Kogan's version. And yeah, basically, uh, some so far they the microphone's just good. The the sound quality from my hearing is just as good. Mm. If anything, they're a bit louder, which is nice. Oh, it's so nice to actually be loud because I feel like with the Apple ones, they don't just turn off. They don't just shut down and die. They die very mm. slowly. They're like they're like AirPods in palliative care. <laughs> <laughs> they take their sweet time, but they just slowly and slowly, slowly get quieter. So like I would be on a call. That's quite with, a grim analogy. <laughs> well, anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. I would be on a call with my clients, and like it's just slowly like their voice is just getting quieter and quieter and quieter. And like I've got to listen really intently, and I'm like, man, I just need some new AirPods. Yeah. Same with my uh, active wear clothing as well. Mm-hmm. Like I buy it from Kmart or Target, two to five dollars. To so. be fair, at least it doesn't say like Kmart across the front of the T-shirt. Mm. It says Everlast. I think Everlast is no, a I, pretty cool name for. Not a... always. Even things like Fila, F I L A, they're sold at Target, mm. and a lot of my like the shorts I'm wearing now, they they don't even have a brand name on them. They're just black shorts. Yeah. Yeah. People could be Adidas for what people know. Yeah. <laughs> very interesting end to the podcast so what did we what did you learn you just you don't need airpods from apple you need airpods from kogan yeah just like just bear that in mind next time for my future purchases mm-hmm. just save a buck or two yeah kogan amazon it's pretty good it certainly is so thank you guys for listening that's the end for our q a a bit long-winded at the end but as always if you enjoyed this one please remember to repost it onto your instagram story tag myself tag tiara tag TBD, leave a review if you're feeling generous and we'll catch you next week.